here's this learning and development team. Stakeholders have access to you. They don't know that there's that training comes in like different shapes. Like yeah. they don't know what no. exists. So they're like, hey, we want e-learning. Yeah. Um, it's our responsibility to like course correct and, and guide them towards the correct like training solution. Welcome to Making Better, a podcast from Better Everyday Studios devoted to helping small learning teams have a big impact. Today, we're talking to Sarah Carroll, a seasoned L&D professional who brings over a decade of experience cultivated in three countries. Throughout her career, Sarah has continuously found herself in the building out stages of both organizations and teams. This means she has gained valuable insights into how to optimize and scale procedures in order to best deliver impactful learning experiences. Today, she will be sharing how some of these procedures can empower your learning team to proactively avoid lackluster courses while still effectively meeting business objectives. As a reminder, if you want to get these episodes early and go deeper on the topics covered, you can sign up for the Making Better newsletter in the episode description below. Let's dive in. Sarah, welcome to the Making Better podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Matt. Happy Friday. How's it going? I am doing great. I'm so excited to get into this discussion today. So we had had a brief exchange on LinkedIn a while back um, where I had made a comment and then you had you had or I had made a post and you had commented something on that post about, you know, you know, making specific pipelines for content. Um, And as soon as I read what you had said, I knew I was like, this is a thing that we got to dive into. But, But before we get there, if you could just give a quick rundown of, you know, introduce yourself to to the people listening. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I'm Sarah. I am an L&D leader and strategist. I have been in and around L&D and education for over 10 years now, um, working in a variety of countries, actually. I've had the opportunity to work um, in the US, in Spain, in a small country called Andorra, which a lot of people don't know about, but right there between Spain and France. Um, And then I also had the opportunity to live in London. So I've got a lot of global experience under my belt. Um, And yeah, I've just been... I landed in L&D organically, like a lot of my peers, um, never, you know, didn't go to school dreaming to be an L&D professional, <laughs> actually who, who does? Not, not, I know. not many people do. I know. It's, it's funny, but you just land in these like training roles, yeah. um, which, you know, eventually led me to project management, which led me to program management, which led me to people management. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, just kind of stumbling through my career one one opportunity at a time but loving every minute of it awesome yeah i I will admit i didn't know where andorra was so i recognize some (laughs) of the other places but i will admit that yeah and you have had quite the varied career um more recently you've been in the tech world and yeah and i know from my experience the tech world can be kind of an interesting place for for learning what what was your experience like specific you know doing l d at a at a software company yeah, I will say I also landed there very by chance. Um, I actually was reached out to on LinkedIn by the hiring manager and was like, hey, we have this role. Um, and it was honestly one of the best decisions I ever made was to explore the tech space in L&D. Learning and development in, in tech right now is so exciting. Um, I think companies, we're seeing a really big shift in an emphasis on learning. Um, okay. Yeah, I, and from my from my viewpoint, and from you know colleagues and peers that I've discussed with, so you're seeing a lot right now of it, companies starting to weave learning into their culture, right? With yeah. learning stipends, professional development stipends, um, you know, accesses to like LinkedIn Learning and um, you know other various platforms. 
And in addition to that, they're starting to invest in their learning teams. Current economic climate aside, sure. um, you know, some are investing in it, some are scaling back. But um, I, I fully believe when when things you know start to improve, they'll start to ramp it up again. Um, so yeah, it's just a really really cool space to be in. Um, one of the biggest reasons is I had previously come from the public sector, um, okay. so I was at UC Berkeley. And when you move from that to tech, it's like, whoa, things move crazy fast here. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that. Yeah, when I moved from the military into the private sector, it was the same thing of just like, oh, this is okay. We're moving now. <laughs> we're doing <Yeah>. things. <laughs> you're moving, you're doing things. And then also the opportunity to contribute and have ideas and share ideas. And like, when you do that, and you see something change from day to day versus like over the course of a year, yeah. you know, of it going through, you know, all of the, the, the hoops it has to go through to get approved yeah, the, in the public all sector. The committees. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, exciting in that aspect it's also challenging because it moves so quickly yes um so i'm sure you've experienced uh that you're constantly building the plane while flying it i hate that expression it is used so frequently in tech yes with every initiative like all right guys like um you're just you're constantly scrambling so that can be challenging but again, also exciting because you're never bored. So yeah. there's that. And then the other thing too is with this new emphasis on learning comes an organization of people who are excited to utilize their learning and development teams, which is great and like so excited. We're there to support, but also then, whoa, we're being inundated by like requests and everybody wants a training for every little thing. And then it's like, Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we need to like get this organized and and sorted out. So, I, I hope that made sense. It's a lot of everything, a lot of fast moving things, a lot of moving parts, um, a lot of you know, jack of all trades requirements yeah. for L and D professionals right now. But um, if if you like that type of environment, I think that you know people would excel because it's for me it was exciting and um, a great change of pace. Yeah, absolutely. It, it can be, yeah, it's really exciting and really fun, but it's like, you have to almost like know what you're getting into kind yes. of if, if you're really going to succeed. Cause it's, it's not, it's not for everybody, not better or worse. It's just not for everybody. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think you're right. And, you know, we were actually talking before we started recording a little bit where, you know, there's, there's almost two sides of the coin of either nobody knows what L and D does and it's off to the side and you're like having to fight for anybody to notice you. And then, you get you get what you want, you get noticed, and then all of a sudden realize everybody realizes, ooh, this is this resource, and you go all the way to the other side of the spectrum of just like, oh geez, now there's there's so many requests we can't keep up. I know I, I feel like a couple times in my career that has happened and I almost didn't realize what was happening. And it yeah. took me a minute to like real be like oh like we need to stop asking people to do to do stuff for them because we can't do it. Um it was it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I know. It's funny because you, in the beginning, L and D, I feel like fought so hard to be like, hey, like you said, we're here. Hey guys, yeah. you know, we're yeah. here to help. Um, and then eventually, it comes to the point where you have to start turning people away. Of like, yeah. hey, we're swamped. We can't tackle that. Um, you guys can tackle that 
initiative internally and we'll help you with this one. Um, so it's funny how there, there's been that shift, but at least in my experience, we, you know, we were getting requests daily, if not multiple yeah. times a day. Um, yeah. it was wild, but again, fun. If you, yeah. you know, if you're looking for something that is exciting, Join a tech company. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so before we get into this kind of the specifics of how you solved that problem and brought some organization yeah. to it, where give us a little sense of the of the situation you were in, like the team that you had, who, who was your customer, like wh where yeah. were you situated, what kind of stuff were you making? Yeah, so I was on a domain-specific L&D team, um, which means we supported a very specific group of employees within the company. So I was supporting... Um, our client onboarding analysts um, and team, which sat under customer operations. So they were client facing um, and they were uh, doing the internal process to, you know, approve or deny um, clients from our platform. Okay. And okay. so we were training them. We did everything. So they would they would join the company and they would go through their two day orientation with like the people team, the LMB team for for Coinbase as a whole. And then they'd come over to us and then we would run their role specific onboarding program and get them ramped and ready to do their jobs. Um, so we owned and managed their onboarding program, but we also did like change management initiatives, you know, tooling rollouts, upskilling, cross-skilling, continued education. And um, we even helped with reorgs a few times. So anything learning for that group of employees, we, we were doing it. Um, yeah. Sounds like almost you could almost upscale a little bit of like all things talent almost, you know, for like that particular team in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's really what we owned. Um, but in addition to kind of like, you know, supporting them in the spirit of building the plane while flying it, um, our team was growing like crazy. So when I started at Coinbase, L&D team in that specific area was only a couple months old. Um, and I was on a team of me and um, one other senior specialist. He was actually promoted and moved over to support another line of business. So it was me. And then I grew from me to five of us to support nice. just this one yeah. group of employees because it was so like, it was uh, the most demanding line of business to support under customer yeah. operations. So not only are we supporting, you know, the employees, but then we're trying to figure out our own operations. How are we going to operate like a well-oiled machine and lay that foundation for our team? We were migrating to a new LMS. We were um, onboarding our own teammates. We were just doing everything to get established ourselves. Yeah. While simultaneously, I think I onboarded over like 800 people in my yeah. time there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's part of that, you know, going across the spectrum too can really be, you know, where you are in the business and what part of the business you're supporting. And definitely when you're supporting those customer facing sides of the business, whether it's customer success or sales, uh, you know, installation folks, if, if you're in a hardware kind of kind of environment, that can be very tricky and because it's so demanding. It's um, yeah, so it's great because there's a lot of demand, but it's like, oh, well, now now we got to keep up because if we're not fulfilling our role, we are truly impacting the business. And as much as learning yeah. development professionals say we want to impact the business, I think we all believe it, but it's different to want it and then be faced with that reality of like, 
I we need to step up, which is awesome, and yeah. I think we all should be striving for that. But it's it's a it's a different responsibility uh, if you're used to being more of a back end a back end player or a support player. Yes, yeah, I think hit the nail on the head is like the response the level of responsibility on your L and D teams in those domain specific what I call them L and D teams are is so much greater. I mean, I yeah. was in charge of leading an initiative that literally was like, we had compliance regulators like breathing down our neck to fill something by a certain deadline. And we had to onboard, I think it was 390 people wow. in six weeks. Wow. And, and build it from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Hey, L and D. And so it's like, you know, again, having that ability to make the impact was amazing and exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's a totally different ballgame than than the L and D teams who might just be creating like professional development material for people to you know access as they want as needed. Um, it's it's definitely a different ballgame. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think we've been teasing the main subject of what I wanted to talk about enough, you know, where yeah. we talked about, okay, so there's this big need, this big demand. Everybody always all of a sudden wants your help with everything. And then yeah. the comment that you made on LinkedIn was about, you know, creating that process to mm -hmm. intake those requests, prioritize requests, scope everything. Um, I got the opportunity to do this at a previous company, and I felt it was like the greatest impact that I had at that company yes. over four years. And building this thing was like, this is what I am proud of. Um, so I'd love for you to kind of take us through, I guess, to start where did it start? Like how I, you, I think you've already said, you know, it was just like, you're kind of being overwhelmed. So you had to do something. What were the first steps that you made towards building this, this process? Yeah. Um, also, I love to hear you say that that was like your greatest <laughs> accomplishment because it was truly, you know, I mean, I continued to beat a dead horse, like until, until it got done on my, on I should, sorry, let me clarify. I was on the one team for, for most of my time at Coinbase. And then I was uh, actually promoted and reorged over to a new team who didn't have this set up. Um, and so that's where I had taken all of the innovation that was created on my previous team and started, I was like, guys, we got to get this going. We got to get this going. Um, which let me add is another insanely important reason to streamline and standardize your procedures across the organization sure. um, for L&D. If you are listening and you're at a company with a lot of micro L&D teams, the biggest recommendation I could make is to get those L&D leaders together and start streamlining those processes that are, you know, the backbone of L&D that every L&D team is using, intake, scoping, report polling, uploading to LMS, delivery, deployment, whatever, and make sure that they're the same across because when you have those reorgs and we know in today's climate that we do, that's going to make it so much better. Yeah. Um, so that's it, my little tangent on that. <laughs> well, and even more than that, I would say no matter how distributed or broken apart your learning team, quote unquote, is to the company, to the employees, you're all one learn, you're all learning people. 
Yeah. Right. And so if you're a trainee, if you're a, you know, technical trainer out in like production or you're an instructional designer in HR or you're a program manager inside of customer success, it's to the employee, you're all training people and they're going to expect you to cut. Even if you're not on the same team, they're going to kind of expect that you would act as if you were on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that like, the benefit of getting things streamlined, it, it's not only for, for ourselves, right? Because it makes our lives a lot easier, yeah. but our stakeholders then know how yeah. to interact with us. Yeah. If they're interacting with multiple learning teams, yeah. then the learners start to, you know, have a cohesive experience and not yeah. really, I've talked about like a disjointed experience that learners can have when learning teams are doing things differently. But then like, again, the bottom line for the company, which is money, time is money in all aspects. So um, yeah, I mean, just so, so, so important, but I promise I will rein it back in and come back to this intake process. Awesome. Um, But yeah, so the, the intake process, this is what, this is what was happening truly was I would be in a meeting and you'd get a request for a training. I would be in a Slack channel and you'd get a request for a training. Uh, I worked with a lot of vendor sites and you would get an email with a request for a training. I one time discovered a request for a training just by having like an honest conversation with a, with a colleague who sat on a different team. And he's like, yeah, this is what I'm working on. And I'm like, Oh shoot, you need a training for that. Like that literally was what was happening. And I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. We need to like start to funnel this because it's just it's creating so much more work and stress than that needs to be um there was already an intake that semi-existed but it just you know getting buy-in and getting that behavioral change of our stakeholders to start using it that was another step so that's something that you know it takes work and consistency and like it takes if you do build one of these like intake request um, systems or, or processes, make sure that it's accessible and yeah. in the right places, yeah. right? Like pinning it to your Slack channel, putting it on your team's Confluence page, wherever, you know, people are visiting to find your team, like make sure it's woof, like yeah. in big bold, like use this because yeah. like a, a tool is only as useful as people know about it and can, can access yeah. it. So yeah, but I think, um, I do yeah. think that's interesting because I 100% agree with everything you said. But then I would add that you cannot make it visible enough that it's more visible than Slack or more visible than email. And so to the first point that you mentioned, no matter what you do, there's going to be that like constant push of change management and behavior management of like, thank you for sending me this Slack. Please go over here. Yes. <laughs> it's just constant it's it's inevitable it will and it will realistically never go away but i'd love to i don't know if you've had this experience but in my experience i think i was much more afraid of pushing back than i needed to be early on i thought if i pushed back everybody would be like really mad and they weren't Mm -hmm. they're just like oh okay and they they would go put in a form put in an intake request yeah so i unfortunately don't have that problem um great (laughs) (laughs) no um I'm very nice, but like, I, I would just, I'm like kind of like a stickler. I would have, you know, 
my, my team coming to me and being like, Hey, they, they sent me this request. And I would say, I would say, Hey, just send them this message. Let them know they need to submit the request. I, I think it's fine. I always talk everything up to like it's business. Yeah. Like they would do the same. Yeah. Um, one, one quick note. So, so the intake system was kind of already there. What was it? Just if you can, was it yeah, like a, so, a home baked thing or was it Jira or it was, you know? Yeah. It was, we were using Jira. Okay. Um, I also have seen this work in Coda. Another team had built it out in Coda um, and it also could work in Google Forms. So again, for any teams listening, like you can build this anywhere you want. Um, yeah. Just make sure that it's again, visible and easily to, easy to use. Jira, if, if you're in a company that's already using Jira for IT and tooling and HR and all things, it makes sense to put it there because yes. the company's familiar with it. Yes. Like you don't need to add extra more learning to get the learning requests. Like, you know, it, like just make it as easy for everyone to use as possible. Can't footstop that, that point enough of how important yeah. that is of this is not, this is not the time to go find a new learning tool yes. to solve. It's like, it, it, these things exist that, you know, chances yes. are, especially if you're in a customer facing company, there's already some system that exists for opening customer tickets, support tickets, yeah. um, find out how you can piggyback on something that already exists. Yes. 100%. Do not reinvent the wheel. It, it's like that. That's in learning and development in general is like, you don't always have to create new just like take something that's working and you know make it work for you so yeah. Yeah. we we were using jira there was one that was like i mean the intake form was it just didn't have the information that we needed anymore it was outdated um so it was revamped to be um separated out into categories and we i think we had one like you could click on new hire onboarding, you could click on like change uh, management, net new um, training, and maybe I think other, if I'm, if I'm recalling correctly, but then like the stakeholder could click on one of those and then it would take you to the form for that, which okay. was awesome because then you're getting the data of like which types of these requests are we getting the most of. Yep. But then you're gonna need different information for different training. So like a new hire request, is going to be different than a net new training. And then it allowed us to customize those fields yep. um, to get the Great. information that we needed. And that is where the net new is where that next step of that scoping process, which is what the comment was, I think. Yeah, I think my comment was like, the meeting that should have been an email, but like the training that should have been a Slack message. That's yeah. what we want to avoid. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and so that's where the scoping process came was everybody wants a training. Everybody wants an e-learning. And I don't know about you, Matt, but like, I hate e-learnings. Um, I hate taking them. Yeah. I I make e-learning for a living and I still say, don't make e-learning. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm like, there's a time and a place. Yes. And if what you want to do is burn out your employees and, and make them hate learning and hate the learning and development team, continue to just bust out e-learnings that employees yeah. have to take every week. Yeah. Um, I think that it's just, again, when you're, here's this learning and development team, stakeholders have access to you. They don't know that there's that training comes in like 
different shapes. Like yeah. they don't know what yeah. exists. So they're like, Hey, we want an e-learning. Yeah. Um, it's our responsibility to like course correct and, and guide them towards the correct, like training solution. That, so, that's it right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm always looking for what, what's going to be the line that's like the intro to a podcast. And that's the line right there, <laughs> right? Like that's the takeaway. It's like, they don't know they're not in this space. It's our job to help them with this figuring out what the right solution is hundred percent. Yes. It, 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 it's so true. Um, and I think to do that, make it easy on your L and D team and have a process that already exists. Yeah. Um, they, they grab it. <laughs> they can use this template that exists of, okay, what information do I need to gather before I can make that decision? Um, and that's what the scoping um, process was that we created was, so if you've ever used Jira, you know, like, okay, you, you kind of get tired. You're not going to input every last yeah. detail about what you need. You yeah. want it quick and you want to get in and get out because you got a lot of other stuff going on. Which is why people are going to go to Slack. Like if you make it too, if you make too much friction, they're just going to yes. say, forget about it. I'm going to send a Slack message. So super exactly. important point of is what's the right level of input because you can't make it too much. Exactly. And so for something like a net new where they're like, we want an e-learning. Um, sorry, I said that a little bit snarky. <laughs> Feel free to cut that or leave it in. Um, we want an e-learning excitedly. Um, we, you want like a summary you want a brief description, perhaps a date of like when they're looking for this. You can add in more if you want, if, if they're checkboxes, add in checkboxes, that's fine. Um, people don't mind those or drop downs. Okay. Like who's it? Is it for BPOs? Is it for full-time employees? Is it, you know, for client onboarding professionals or is it for, you know, people supporting another line of business? Yeah. I think one, that I've used in the past to try to help with this is kind of like try to had a drop down of like size of audience. Yes. Which maybe they don't know, but you know, that was one that I oh. liked. It was like, is this, is this for like, is this your pet project for like the three people on your team or is this like 300 or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that brings me to another point, which is like the roster, which mm. I don't know about your experience is the hardest thing to get. I mean, getting a learning roster, is like asking someone for a million dollars. They're just like, they somehow cannot produce it um, until it's absolutely time. They can give you a general idea, but we had a, like a, a, a box in Jira that was like, put the link to the roster, never got filled. No. Um, so take no. it out, put it on this scoping process and we'll ask them in a meeting, like, so we can be on the same page. But, but yeah, that learning roster is like gold. And the num the number of times I have the number of times I have had somebody just tell me all engineers need to take this. Oh. Like, like, I I don't think you know what that term means. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like that's fantastic. Um, could I just find a list of their names, emails, something for me? You know, like just anything, anything to to help me through this. But yeah, we weren't getting that, so kept that like intake form fairly short so we could get a you know a basis like a basic understanding and then in the scoping that's where you can get more detail because you'll set a meeting right you'll set yeah. this 30 minute meeting with the um you know stakeholders stakeholders who 
leading this initiative where you can go deeper into like, okay, tell me the challenge. What, it, what are we trying to solve here? What are the KPIs you're looking at? What is the results you're trying to get? What's your timeline? What's, you know, who, who needs to take this? Who really needs to take this? Who needs to take this win? Because again, I don't know about you, but like we've had trainings where they're like, okay, well actually we just need 10 people trained this week and then we can roll it out slowly to more. You know, mm -hmm. so you're able to get those kind of like more important details face to face. Yep. Um, and I think it's so much more efficient. You're also, I kind of want to put an asterisk next to like timeline and come back to that because that's another thing. But once you get all the information you need, like who the SMEs are that you're going to be working with and like links to existing documentation that they might have, then that's when your team can go and review that. You set another follow-up meeting, shorten it if you want, if people are busy. And that's when you can say, hey, after taking this into consideration, after assessing the risks, after looking at your timeline, after looking at you know X, Y, Z, we think we don't need an e-learning course. We actually need a quick one hour live session or a Slack message or a one pager that they can reference back to. Um, and that's when you can make your proposal of like the appropriate learning solution. Um, but I will say timeline, going all the way back to how exciting it is to work in tech, uh, people <laughs> will ask you for a training for next week. Yes. Um, with zero understanding that it actually takes time to build them. So in within reason, again, I have no problem like just communicating clearly like expectations. And so I, I, I have pushed back on timeline a time or two on like, hey, that's that's really unrealistic for my team. Um, I did so much one time as to like collect the actual data of how long it took my team to build something and then did a whole presentation for my my stakeholders, which was fantastic because it yeah. really helped them. They were like, whoa. Uh, so if you need to get buy in, that's a way to do it. I like but, that. That's interesting. I, I I don't think I've ever heard heard that before. I think it, especially if you have a clear clear set of stakeholders, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So we did. Again, we were very domain specific. I was engaging, you know, a time or two you're engaging with cross functional folks from other teams, but mostly I was supporting the same team of, you know, I think there were like five or six managers that we were working with. Um but we and hundreds and hundreds of employees, but but yeah, that so timeline don't don't be afraid to to be realistic because here's the bottom line is you want learners to have a good experience with learning yeah. at the company. You don't want them looking at it as like a punishment or here's another crappy e-learning. You want them to have quality so that way they're excited to do it and you want them to like feel like it's helping them do their job. So yeah. If you're gonna push out something next week, that's not very great. But if you get a couple extra days, it can reduce the risk of retraining. Yeah, advocate for that. Yeah, for um, sure. With the understanding that they may just flat out say no, like we need yeah. it by here. But at least you tried. Yeah. So I really love this because so it's like you're starting off with a tool that people ideally already use. You know, so you have this yeah. system for intake, so they put it in. You make that initial interaction relatively low friction. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so just to, to get it in there gives you a chance to look at it. You set up an initial meeting to kind of go through stuff. Then they talk, then they send you all their stuff that you read through. Then you set up a follow up meeting. And so by the time you are 
giving them your proposal where you maybe agree, maybe disagree, you're kind of like three or four touches, touch points into the relationship. And those early relationship points were like pretty, pretty low stress, like tried to be pretty friendly and frictionless. Um, so there's kind of, you know, there, there's a base there where when you're not, the, the point I'm getting at is it's not like they send you an email and you're like, this doesn't need to be training. You're like, you're kind of having a conversation first and you're like, yes. after careful review, um, which I think is great. I think that's yeah. all, that's awesome. You want to have like, there are people you're working with relatively regularly, probably, and you want to have a good relationship with them. None of this yeah. is to say, I feel, I realize I'm like, oh, maybe I'm coming off like, no, this is how it has to be. Definitely not. It's a conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a two way street and it's a relationship. Um, and we had very good relationships with our stakeholders and you, you want to make an informed strategic decision that's best for the business. Um, yeah. Not that's necessarily best for L and D. Yeah, it's not about being the best for L and D, but it's about it's about efficiency and effectiveness, yeah. um, and using like our expertise to to make the best proposal and coming to a compromise if needed. Because sometimes people are like we really need the e learning because we have to check they have to have check it box. off right. We yeah. need that in the LMS. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's understandable. So yeah. it's definitely not meant to be like a dictatorship. What LMD says goes, it has to be a partnership um, to, to, to have the, the best results again, because yeah. you're going to continue working with everyone and eventually you'll get into a groove yeah. and they may start to learn, oh, this might not be any learning. Hey, can we get a live yeah. training or Hey, what, yeah. what do you think is, you know, a good idea for this solution? So, um, yeah, definitely make it make it a friendly encounter. Yeah, absolutely. And colleagues. so I think I know we're running out of time, but the one last question I want to make sure to ask is when you're delivering that, how often was one? How often were you giving a different solution than they originally thought they needed? How often were you just saying like, no, we can't help you? <laughs> And then how much in both of those situations, like how much pushback was there and how did, how did you, how did you deal with that? That's a big question. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, so I would say how often, I'm going to, I'm going to chunk that out for Great. my brain. Um, how often did we give an alternative solution? I can think of, um, I Super can think rough. of a handful of times. Maybe. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you know, and in often it was met with uh, approval, like excitement, like cool. That great. sounds great. Great. Um, because we would come up with a way. For example, the, the LMS thing where they like we needed in the LMS for for to have this checked off. We would come up with a way of like okay this doesn't need to be a training. It might be a, I can think of a time we, but I built a one pager, which is sure. like, you know, a PDF with a chart yeah. on it that people yeah. could literally just look at as they're doing their job. Yeah. Uh, uploaded that to the LMS, told them to download it and they hit complete. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we would always come up with ways to make sure we were meeting their needs. Um, so it wasn't met with too much resistance. I think the, more thing that was met with resistance versus like the 
type of training was more the timeline, okay. um, which they, you know, again, when I would start to collect data, you have to speak the language of the business and people like numbers and people respect numbers. So you yeah. collect that data. Um, and that started to help with the timeline thing of like, either they weren't giving us enough time and we could get a little more, or, you know, you're looking at examples of when you were asked to roll out a training prematurely. And then we had to literally retrain people again, like two, three weeks later. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, you're, you're showing them that like, Hey, if we can reduce this risk, if we add a little bit more time on in the beginning, it's going to, you know, save us time in the long run. Um, but making sure to come again, respectfully and, and presenting them with, with numbers that, you know, makes more sense than just like, well, I think this is going to be the better way. Um, yeah, (laughs) which is a little bit more work. Yeah. And which is all the, one of the more great reasons why you want to have, why a ticketing system or some kind of structure can help because now you have that ticket and that ticket can yeah. live on and you can put information in it and you can say, you this so is how long, yeah, this is how long it took. This is when it was published. This is, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, yeah. it's, it's super helpful. And so speaking the language of the business. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you are at basically any software, any company that has a significant number of software engineers, I can almost guarantee you they have jira asana like something monday.com whatever it is something like that and it is really easy to repurpose that and now like you are going to be seen as a as a part of the business because you're using the business's tools which is like the end goal is on another podcast i was on it was like i i literally kept saying the same thing over and over which was like l and d is working to get that seat at the table to like be viewed as a strategic business partner Right. Yeah. So we can yeah. be there proactively yeah. and eventually avoid timeline issues or like whatever, because we would be there from day one yeah. being like, hey, oh, you need this learning solution. Hey, how how about this yeah. um, proactively instead of reactively? But um, yeah. little by little, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, it's a it's a long it's a long journey for sure. <laughs> for yeah. sure. Um, well, I know I've taken up a lot of your time, Sarah, so thank you so much. And any last words that you want, any, anything else really important that you want to make sure to bring up? Um, no, I would say again, just, I, if you're listening and you don't have an intake, start there, um, start to think about training life cycle as a whole, um, start to think about your intake, then scoping, start to think about what processes your team might need to, um, you know, review their courses and content they create, think about how they're uploading to the LMS, think about deployment. I know I'm saying a lot of things, but the whole bottom line is I start to think about that backbone of logistics and just slowly one by one tackle them. Um, you know, you, it, Rome wasn't built in a day and neither will this, especially as you're supporting employees while you do this, but eventually that will help your team run more effectively, efficiently. Um, and free up time for, for what we love, which is creating, you know, innovative learning solutions. So exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I think people will definitely find some value in this, especially, you know, at smaller teams or teams that are just getting started. Um, so thanks again for being on. And I look forward to talking to you more in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. This was fun.